If it's happening now, we're talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Peter Grafe joining us, professor of political science at McMaster University. Talk about what they're all up to at this point. Peter, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I am, thanks. So Andrea Horvath announces uh, a uh, platform today, including a uh, a 10-year housing platform that includes uh, eliminating the affordable housing wait list through collaboration, increasing housing supply to bring down market costs, creating a dedicated uh, department to streamline the building uh, process, recognition uh, recognition that housing is a basic human right, and tackling homelessness. Your thoughts? Uh, A lot of this stuff sounds, well, they're all talking about building more houses. Uh, Can we make this happen, do you think? Uh, Well, I mean, I think all three three main mayoral candidates are making promises around housing, but, you know, the number of tools they actually hold to make it happen are are a bit limited. I mean, you know, there's some things around, uh, you know, planning and zoning where obviously they can uh, make things uh, better. Uh, maybe Andrea Horvath has been the most specific of the candidates in terms of how she might sort of streamline the, the process within City Hall and to make it more transparent, but they're all kind of telling similar stories. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, there's just a limit. I mean, ultimately, you have to get uh, either public money to build uh, housing uh, or to you know encourage uh, not-for-profits to build that housing, or you have to find ways to have uh, private developers come in and build housing. <laughs> so, you know, the actual ability as a mayor is really uh, going to be related a lot to uh, what's happening in the decisions of the federal and provincial governments. And again, our, our different candidates have said that they are you know going to create better relationships with those governments, but in most cases, they aren't actually going to be making decisions to help Hamilton. It's because it's going to serve the interests of Doug Ford or Justin Trudeau to be putting more money into that, into that uh, you know, uh, uh, program uh, Canada-wide and probably more how it's going to play in places like Vancouver and Toronto. So, I mean, it's good that our, our uh, candidates for mayor are concerned about housing because it's a concern of many Hamiltonians. But uh, the solutions, to me, in my mind, look much the same, and, and a lot of their success will be related to the uh, decisions of senior levels of government and secondarily, you know, whether local developers see it as profitable for them to be uh, building the kinds of housing available to them. Many have said the municipalities have been stumbling blocks, whether it's the nimbyism of trying to fill an infield, an infill lot uh, within the city limits, or it's environmentalists wanting, to, uh, not wanting to expand the urban boundary. Many have said that this does lie at the hands of the municipalities. Um, that being said, it's odd, as I said to you before, in, in the last provincial election, all four major political parties were talking about building a million homes. It's amazing how this the folk this is the focus now. Uh, that being being said, how difficult is that at the city level with the municipalities and considering, well, and that's why we come up with a strong mayor's uh, power thing the, out of Queen's Park uh, for Toronto and Ottawa. That was to kind of hopefully break that logjam. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's, you know, and we've seen in Hamilton, uh, you know, uh, an unwillingness to explore things like laneway housing or, you know, always putting you know, limits on that. And, you know, anyone actually promises to do any, anyone tries to develop some infill housing and there'll be, you know, a street full of residents saying that this is, you know, the sky is going to fall. And then, you know, five years later, I'd go past that place and it just looks fine in the neighborhood and, you know, Mm. the sky hasn't fallen. But, you know, the upside of this discussion is that there will be more pressure on the mayor to, uh, to lead council. Uh, I mean, part of the problem is you're right, city councillors, uh, talk one game uh, generally, but then when it's a street in their ward, they suddenly 
uh, you know, are on the sides of those who, who don't want to uh, have any kind of uh, densification. And so, again, a mayor who's willing to actually, you know, step forward and make the case and, and push the rest of the councillors to, you know, stick to that position rather than, you know, just always kowtowing the position of the local councillor because they kind of see it as a tit for tat, right? If they if they uh, support the local councillor, then the other councillors will support yeah. them when they're trying to do that and, and not much gets done. So, yeah, I mean, there is space for councils to do a lot better in terms of, of the planning process and having mayors that are pushing you know, for ways of, of removing that sort of uh, that local break is, is useful um, in terms of if the point is just to get uh, more units built. Uh, in the Bob Bertina camp, uh, getting the support of the transit union uh, in Hamilton saying earlier on last week, I believe that uh, with the LRT that should be run by the HSR. Your thoughts on this uh, on this endorsement? Yeah, it's not surprising. I mean, Bob Bertina has been the candidate who's come out and said, yeah, the, the LRT, when it's there, should be run by, uh, you know, the ATU members. So it's, you know, it's pretty, uh, you know, tit for tat. Uh, what's all interested the ATU is, is having the uh, to have those jobs and Bob Bertina them too. Surprising. I mean, it's also, you know, similarly when Luna came out and supported uh, Keenan Loomis earlier in this campaign, you know, again, I think there there's similar views on the question of the LRT, uh, you know, explained, uh, you know, why they did that. They saw Keenan Loomis as a, the LRT candidate and, you know, there's a lot of jobs for the boys when you're building a, a huge system like that. So, you know, again, I think we're seeing unions taking pretty um, logical positions in terms of deciding where their bread is buttered. Uh, Keenan Loomis uh, spouting change, um, a different direction in, in transparency and such. How does he make how does he make noise? How does he make hay amongst these other higher profile candidates who are getting some pretty big endorsements? Well, I think he really has to find a way of making this uh, a campaign, uh, you know, about issues, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, that's what he's been running on. Uh, he has, a, you know, a particular platform. And he's running against two candidates who are really running on name recognition. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, he does have to find a way of waking up the campaign and, and developing some real points of difference between himself and, and those candidates. I think to date, we've seen with the platforms that Bob Bertina and Andrea Horvath has come out, they've made, the, I think, the life difficult for him. Uh, because while he has a number of you know promises that look a bit different than theirs, overall, they're all, I think, dancing in, in pretty much a similar space. And so for, you know, voters who are really interested in the issues are probably, you know, making pretty fine-grained changes or, or decisions uh, between them. I mean, the other op opportunity for Keenan Loomis is to say, well, this is a change election and we have two, you know, long-time uh, politicos that he's running up against. And, you know, he might be able to, to, to move in that manner. But I think it would be a lot easier for him if he had a, a greater degree of name recognition. Uh, within the cities uh, so that he could really uh, leverage that difference. I, I think to date, and particularly when you're the Chamber of Commerce, the former Chamber of Commerce president, you're not necessarily seen as someone who's really that out of step with the way things have been done in the city over the past uh, 25 years. Peter Greff with us, Professor of Political Science, McMaster University, talking about Hamilton's mayoral race. Peter, as always, thank you for the time. Be well. And you too. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.